that's why it exasperates that situation so so much because you're you're dealing with your own grief. You're dealing with everyone, particularly if it's if you're obviously the connected, maybe the adult situation, the person in, in, the, in the, the grief loss, whatever it is. But it becomes even harder because you're having to think about everybody else out there, and then guess who gets neglected? The child or the children. And then you're wondering why they sort of start missing school or, or start making bad grades in school or, you know, whatever the case may be. Turn the page. Turn it off. Step the next one. When a death occurs, when the thing is over, you send the child away. Pause. Is there a occasion when you might want to send the child away? Possibly. Particularly if it's a long extended situation, or, or if mom and dad goes to take care of grandma and granddad, whatever the case may be, you may need, the child may need to go to someone else's house, obviously, to stay with them for a period of time. And that's well and good as long as you can trust them. You want to be sure that there's absolute trust in that situation. But, but uh, you shouldn't send the child away just because someone's died. Number two, when they ask questions, you should tell them everything. No. Listen to what they ask and then answer that specifically. And the way you know and the way you know that you've answered that specifically is by saying, Now what did I just say to you? Have them reframe uh, re rephrase it back to you and then ask the question. Did that answer answer your question? Now, lastly, depending on their ages, you could get another question. But you know, and we, we, if we get there, there's a couple of, there's a page or two that has actual questions that kids usually ask. Three, muscular-aged children see death is nothing but slate thoughts. Muscular-aged children understand that death is final. There's a page on that as well. What do you, what do you say in school-aged children? Okay, I'll start Range. five, six, six five, five years old. Uh, and there's a page on that that will sort of give you the breakdown in your notes of, of what children... Well, you know, three to five year olds see, see death as very, uh, they don't understand the concept. <coughs> Question, you know, can a baby understand that there's been a loss in the family? And the answer is yes. They've done a study and suggested that, that babies as young as six months age can understand that something has happened in the family structure. Now they don't know what's happened. But they, 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 six months of age, they figure out something has happened that's changed this home environment. And for that reason, then, they, they begin to act in that regard. Um, their children have the ability to sense when something is wrong with mom and dad. We already said that true. Yeah. Number five, the, the grief cycle of children will be as normal as it is with adults. False. Great news about this. Children grieve much more efficiently than we do. Now you're saying, why? Because their, if I can call it the grief box, their grief box is a lot smaller than ours. The, their capacity to grieve, whether you're talking about crying, whether you're talking about being sad, whether you're talking about acting out feelings of frustration because of grief losses, theirs is just so much smaller than ours. 
I think God made him that way. And for that reason then, they grieve, and then that's it, they finished. They're ready to go back to play. Don told of a situation where a lady, a mother, died very suddenly, and her 10-year-old son, uh, during the, the funeral itself, was wailing. Don said, I'm, I'm talking about wailing. He was crying that hard. The service finished. This was one of those, oh, we're like your church, like your cemeteries. Look, this, this was literally across the street from where they were out in the country. Don said, they, he said, in 10 minutes they walked out, took the body over to, to be buried, and the kid was kicking rocks with his cousins. Totally okay. And what happened? He had cried all he could cry. So the good news about children is that they grieve much more efficiently. We, do, we tend to do 24-7 grief as adults. We sort of wallow in it. Kids can't do that. Uh, another thing about children in grief is that <clears throat> you can't say <laughs> as much as we'd like to, we're going to sit down here and have a discussion about grief right now with you. They're not interested. Hmm. And the reason they're not interested is, number one, it's not on their time frame. You know, you know you're, you're saying it's my, my time frame. They're saying, no, it's not. And they're not being obstinate. It's just that they can't handle that. The way they deal with grief is just in everyday experiences. You drive down the road and pass the cemetery. What's that? Who's in there? What's going on there? Or they say a dead deer on the road or a dog on the road. What happened there? What's that all about? What are they going to do with that animal? And see, those are your opportunities to be able to discuss something about grief. Um, you know, when you see the rainbow in the sky, what do we say? Well, there's a rainbow there. Well, who put it there? And why did God put it there? And, what, and you can tell the story. Well, the same thing about grief in children. Um, number six, it's, it, it is unnatural for pre-adolescent teens to feel anger over the death. It's, it's not unnatural. Pre-adolescents and teens, <coughs> I think it's even more so today than, than it used to be when, when, when I was growing up or maybe when you were growing up. Everything is about them. How does this loss, whatever it is, affect me? If you came home tomorrow after work and said, well, I just got fired, or I just got let go. Yes, they gave me a severance pay, but I don't have a job anymore. Guess what your teenager or your, young, your, your, your 11 year old is going to ask? What's this mean for me? Yeah. You see, and, and that's the way they're going to, and it's, there's nothing wrong, you know, and that sounds selfish, but from their perspective, they're going to see everything from themselves, from them. It's just because of the way they are and the, and the ages they're in. Uh, and, and feel free to ask questions. I know I'm sort of acting like I'm flying here. What time is this finish? Is it 10 15? About 10.20. 10.20? There'll be a, a five-minute bell and then they'll okay, finish. Seven turnips should be forced to pull the No. In fact, I suggest, I had, uh, last time I talked, well, we, we did this somewhere, someone said we've got our, our, pre, our preschool-age children have never been around death and said, Grandma's getting really sick. What do you suggest? <coughs> I said, you asked a question, here's your answer. Go to the funeral home ahead of time and talk to the funeral home director and make a visit to the funeral home with the kids.
let them see what it's about. I said, now, I'm not saying you have to go to a service. If you want to take them to a service, but I said, if that's where, you know, if that's where the, the visitations are going to eventually going to be, let them be familiar, get familiar with that. Let them ask questions. What are you doing? What are your getting them used to an idea that's, that's going to be a, obviously, a pre, unfortunately, a prevalent idea for the rest of their life. Uh, in, at our congregation, I remember when we had deaths in the congregation, we had a family of nine kids, no twins, nine different children. And they just bring the whole pile of them when they came for a visitation. And I just thought, wow, that's impressive. Because, and, and, and of course, again, remember, and, of course, they, they would bring them early on in the visitation time, not, the, not, the, you know, not, not have to stand in line, because you can just imagine what that would be like. But have them come. And, and, in fact, particularly if it's a family situation, there's that family, we usually have family time before the visitation. That's a perfect time for your child. Or if you need a one-on-one -on -one time, that's fine, too. But just let them sort of see, for, and, and you don't have to say, I, would, I wouldn't really even say a lot about what they're going to see. Let them just sort of move around and, you know, if, if you have the coffin, if you want it to be open or closed, it's up to you. But just let them just sort of get familiar themselves. What have you done by doing that? You've shown them that the right way to do it. I mean, that people grieve, but they go back to normal life afterwards if they then see people back at church. Right, right. You also let them, them absorb it at their own rate. Exactly. It's coming from their mindset and their framework. And, and also, if it, and I hate to put it this way, but if you, have, if you can have other church members with kids their age come as well, it becomes more of a cohesive kind of thing because they're not so afraid. It's just not on them. You know, when we, when we, uh, when my, when my wife's father died, our oldest, obviously, our oldest was six, and the youngest was one or two. Obviously, the one and two-year-old did the same for the funeral. And he was there for a period of time, and then left. Six-year-old, we just let him just do what he wanted to do, and then we just asked him, "Do you want to go with Aunt So and So home for a while?" He said, "No, I think I'll stay." Say, he was fine. But the point is, you have to, and, and again, here's another issue. Isn't every child different? Yeah. Some, some children have the ability or the makeup that it's not going to bother them at all. Others, it might really mess with their mind for a period of time. And that's okay. Just, just recognize that. Um, <clears throat> touching the hand of a dead one. It's really not going to teach them much about death. Uh, because, in fact, all it's going to probably do is raise a lot of other questions. Some of which you may not want to get into in regard to why is their hand cold? Why are they not moving? You know, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, we'll, we'll get there just in a moment. Uh, they should be prepared beforehand. We already talked about number nine. And then some of the hardest times for a child will come after the yeah, that's That's true. Uh, and the reason that is true is because they, it, particularly the first time it happens, they have to realize that, in, in, or in this case, Papa's not coming back. 
or where's Papa? And say that that that's particularly our oldest one. He was six when when Bonnie's dad died, um, and, and that we had to deal with that. And the first the, the one, our one year old didn't have that problem, but now he he had some questions about Mama when she died. But but there's questions that they want to ask. Okay, what's what's the next page? We, we skipped one, didn't we? Children and grief. Yeah. yeah. Does your say grief if oh, I can't believe it. I forgot that to correct and <laughs> change that. Uh, they hurt for little kids too. Yeah. Here's one. Death of a loved one, break of family, any major loss of a child. Just imagine what that's like. And here's what the way a child thinks. Sadness, fear, anger, other emotions, you don't have a bad vocabulary, your limits of exposure leaves you with understanding, what, a little understanding. You know that something has changed, but you're not sure what happened. And then somewhere down the line, sometimes children blame it on themselves. Uh, divorce. A lot of times, that's one of the issues that comes to do with. So, um, so the next page you have is the, what, how, the how children agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A child experiences, they play, let them play. Um, what kind of experiences have, do you, I, I assume all of you have children, what kind of experiences have your kids had so far with, with death or any kind of major loss? Mine haven't really experienced really? that. Uh, they okay. were adult children when they lost their grand, their only the only grandfather that they have lost. Okay. So they were both adults okay. at that point. Okay. So. Well, you, you were very, I very am, I, We are fortunate. very lucky. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, they probably have had other friends who had losses. Right. right. Yeah. Um, you know, Hollywood, <laughs> they don't do it many other things. They certainly don't do, they're not the, the, the way to look at it in regard to the idea of death. Because obviously, you know, there we, we say it's make-believe. You know, but they're not really shooting each other, that's just make-believe. You know, my, uh, our, our oldest son loves Star Wars and he took his, uh, our eight-year-old grandson to see Star Wars. And he said, now remember, this is just Hollywood. This is just a reenactment, it's, it's, a play. it's like a play. It really is not real. But he had some problems with a couple of scenes in Star Wars, you know, and so, but he had to, you know, he had to sort of tell them about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, anytime there's a, a major loss, there's always some kind of issue that, that, we, that we get involved in. Um, the thing about children is that a lot of times they're the last one to know about what happened. You mentioned the situation a little while ago, but um, I think it's 44% of children find out about a major loss that has occurred by hearing parents or adults whispering over in a corner somewhere. Now, what's wrong with that situation? Not the last. I would think it would want to be handled. Yeah, number one. And they feel like they shouldn't know. Exactly. Probably they were on the outside. Well, of the well, group. You, you just told them number one, you don't belong in this discussion. Two, you've told them by insinuation it's a taboo subject. And therefore, three, you can't understand it. 
Well, yeah, they, they can understand it from their perspective. But you, you've told them they can't understand it, which therefore sort of complicates everything. And four, you've not involved, you've not got it down to their level. So you've messed up big time without even knowing about it. I mean, and, and, and I've, had, I mean, I've had people, you know, say, well, we're just not going to tell them. Well, what? <clears throat> I mean, they're, they're, they're intelligent kids. They're, they're your kids. They're intelligent kids. You think, and, and this was in regard to a, um, a husband, a father, being killed of an accident. And for, for months, the, the wife insisted, do not tell them what actually happened. They, a tree fell on them when they were cutting down a tree. A tree fell on him. He died for months, and I could not. You know, and and we were dealing with the grandparents' situation because they were coming. They said, "Tell us, is that unhealthy?" And I wanted to just scream, "Yes, it's unhealthy." And they said, "Isn't that wrong? Isn't that, isn't that a bad way?" And I said, "Well, they're going to be. She's going to be dealing with a lot of other issues later on with that." Because a child, you can't just tell a child where well, dad's gone on a trip, and he's, which means what? He's coming home sometimes. He's coming on a business trip. Well, he's not coming home in this regard. So, so you have to understand that, and I guess this is what complicates the situation. The way you start out in the process of dealing with grief with your child, Either there's going to be a straight road or there's going to be a lot of crooked roads based on the way you deal with that. So the pressure is on. And that's what makes this. And, and again, it, it, it exacerbates the situation so badly because you're dealing with your own grief if you're affected by the situation, but yet you're having to think about them as well. Then we got the other, situa the other, the other part of that problem, our challenge. Every one of the children are different. Well, that plus the adults that's involved, grieving process is different. Exactly. And, and everybody may not be on, on the same page. You know, the mother may want to say, no, let's protect them. The father says, no, we got to tell it like it is. Well, it's probably somewhere between those two extremes. And then also you've got to deal with, well, how are you going to tell them? What are you going to tell them? What are you not going to tell them? You know, and because the, the, the issue is the questions that they're going to be asking based upon the things you've said to them. Um, child does the hit and run, you know, they can't tolerate long periods of grief, they'll set the time, they ask questions, and they may deal with that grief throughout their entire childhood. Um, <coughs> question, when you're, when you had animals die, when those kids were small, what'd you do with them? What'd you do with them? What'd you, what'd you do with the animals, not the kids? They had a funeral. Yeah. You had a funeral, exactly. Yeah, them. Quite a few. And so many today, you know, they won't do that. Um, but we had, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. We had funerals. Songs and prayers yeah. and everything. You know. <laughs> Procession, you know. We had everything. What were, what were mom and dad trying to teach us? That we love. So, you know, that's something to think about. Um, okay, how to help your child understand death? Yep. Okay. You pick the number and we'll talk about it. Let's just do it that way.
turn on number 15. Because you're saying God, you know, God's the main factor in the situation. In their mind, they equate that with the feelings of loss and hurt. And, and if you give them that idea that God took them, then when's He going to take me? <clears throat> when's He going to take me? Or why would He do that? If He, if that's the kind of God we serve, I don't. So you got to be extremely careful. And even the phrase where it was time for them, it was time for God to call them home. I don't like that phrase for personal. Because it just implies things that I don't think. I, I know Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed that man to die once and then after that judgment. But the point is, um, I don't think it's God's will that he's going to just say, okay, it's time for that person to go today. Because it works that way that it, you know, it does with, it does, it, it suggests that God is, is, a, is a God that's mean and ugly and, cruel and I don't, I don't know about you but I don't want to plant that idea with my children. They get enough of that from school folks, from kids from kids around. What's another another number? Uh, expose the child of the dying person. Yeah. Explain terminal illness. We, we've dealt with that within our family. Um, caregivers for grandmas and grandpas and, uh, and the in-laws. So the kids have been there through the process of the terminal illness, the Alzheimer's, the dealing, the care, yeah. all of that. And so they basically got to see, it, you know, kids, and, and I'm kids, talking from little bitty. Exactly. So Kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. They can pick up on things. And if they and if they don't pick up on them, then they can. And you can ask them just to, just to, hey, how 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 did you see Grandma today? What did you what did you see? Well, she didn't remember who I was. She didn't remember who Mom was. And that's her daughter. Wow. And then you talk about Alzheimer's. And the and the way to to, to deal with Alzheimer's for a small child is is to do is to take a, a piece of just take a little piece of string and say, just imagine that this string is what connects the body to the brain, okay? And then take a precision just cut it. That's what happens when you deal with Alzheimer's and dementia. Dementia is the family name. Alzheimer's the first one. That's the, that's the you know, that's the, if you want to understand, dementia is just a family name. There's, there's several different kinds of dementia. Alzheimer's the most prevalent one. So a lot of people say, I don't understand the difference. So that, but if you just do that, then you say, what did I just do there? Well, you cut the cord, cut the string. Okay, so there's a disconnect there. But that's exactly what's happening to grandma's brain. And she didn't do anything to cause it. It's just an illness, a disease, just like getting sick and, you know, whatever. But, you know, they, they, they need to understand that. Um... But using death terminology is great. Uh, avoid using, well, they're asleep. Because if you tell, you tell that to a small child, what if they're going to have a hard time going to They don't want to go to sleep because they, that means they're going to be like grandma. So, so you've got to avoid that. You know, uh, I'm a state trooper chaplain for Madison County, and obviously when and if I go and give a death, uh, death notification, you know, the, the death notification, you're, 
your loved one, Jane Doe, was involved in a car accident and she died. You know, I don't use the word past. You know, I, she died. You know, well, what can you tell me? Well, I can only hear are the only details that I know. You know, and I tell those details. But the point is, I'm using death terminology. You know, so that they can understand. And a lot of times, I'll have to go back and repeat that. And you can obviously understand why. I've just changed the world forever by, by telling them that awful news. <clears throat> so, by doing that, you're, you're doing. You're do Look at number 21. I'll never forget a funeral service I did for a father died. 10 or 11, 12-year-old boy, and I remember the funeral home director telling him, you're going to be become a man now for your mom. How impossible. How terrible to tell that little boy, particularly on the day that he's burying his daddy, You've got to be, become the man of the house now. We shouldn't do that to our children. Now, I, I, I understand what he was saying. He knew the family really well, and he felt comfortable. You know, he knew the little boy well enough to be able to say that. But I, he just put the weight of the world on him. And it's literally impossible for him to become the man of the house. So we've got to be careful that we don't make that child the replacement of the... Now, sure, everybody in the family is going to have to probably take on responsibility. But not that way. Um, what's another one? 19. 19. Yeah, fragment of the family. I understand the fragment of the family. I don't know, I guess my question is about uh, initiating more change than necessary because a lot of times, and maybe I understand it or think about it in different prospect, but say a loss of a spouse, maybe you need to move out of that home and get into a different environment. And, and, they, and, they, and the, the rule of thumb is they tell you that you should not make any major change for a year. Yes. Well, the problem with that is, particularly if the if we're talking about like aged parents and stuff, you know, if one of them goes, who's going to? I mean, e either particularly if that she lives, if they live away from everybody else, who's going to take care of them? Yeah. So, so sometimes you have to make that change. I, I think as long as everybody's on the same page, we're good. Um, February twenty fourth of last year. We moved our mom and dad from Northport, where they had been for 56 and a half years, to Amory, Mississippi, where my sister and brother-in-law live. You talking about that? You talking about a major change? Wow, was that a major change? But we're all on the same page. Everybody understood. This is why we're doing this. This is why we are having to. And, it, and it's, it's, it, I could not. We couldn't have asked for it to go better. But I just wondered if there was somebody that would said, no, 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 we can't do that. What a trouble we would have had. What a problem that would have been. A challenge. So, so there has to be, uh, you know, it's easy to say, let's try to not change anything. But you've you got you to gotta probate the will. You've you got to go through, you know, you, you know the bills are going to be paid. You, you've got to, you know, be sure that the, the aged parent, if that's the situation, is going to be taken care of. And, and, and particularly if their health is bad. 
So, you know, it's, it's one, that's one of those things to say, okay, that's, that's one of the, it's easy to say that, but then it's another thing to do it. But, but I think, I think the, the important thing is, is to be sure you have a real good reason and be sure that everybody communica communicated that you know exactly why we're doing this. And you'll be surprised what kind of comments will be made by other folks, you know, because, I mean, you become a bad person in the family. Yeah, because you're, the very idea, you're moving them away from all of us, and, and I mean, you know, of course, in, in our situation, Dad, Dad was finishing up as he'd been the minister that went for all those years, or one of the ministers, and it, because of Mom's health and, and whatever, it, it you know, he, he could not continue to do his work and take care of her, and he understood that. You know, but like I said, it's, it is an interesting situation. Um, another one. Uh, number 20. Number 20. Be yeah. open. Uh, run into situations that where you've had a spouse that's been sick for a long time, and the husband says the wife has been sick, in, in one case, I'm alive. And the husband's been with her for six months by her bedside. You go to the funeral, and the kids have been there with her and everything. And you get there, and there's no—it looks like there's no feeling because they're not crying, they're not doing this. And you have somebody to ask you, "Well, what's, why are they not? They're gone. Why are they not crying?" And then you try to explain to them, say, "Look, they—they for six months, they've said their goodbyes." Exactly. And, and that the, that's the they they've been predisposed to this situation. This is just the last day of what's been a long, long book that we've watched and taken care of, and and in some respects it could be even a relief, you know, for for everyone in the situation. And I don't mean that in the wrong way. Yeah. So so yeah, and that's just someone from the outside looking in, and you may not be able to explain that to them. And so there's also the myth: if a person's not crying, that they're not grieving. That's wrong. Yeah. yeah. That's wrong. And, and as the preacher is going to say here in just a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's John, the preacher going to be? Yeah. <laughs> I've talked to him today. You know, John 11:35. Jesus well. Guess what that word means in the original? He cried on the inside. He didn't shed a tear. The word itself means he was crying on the inside. He was just... He was so agitated on the inside. A, a tear didn't come out of his tear ducts. <coughs> so it's, but, it's, but he was crying. But he was, but he was mournful. He was mournful. But the, so the point was, you know, it, it's a myth to say, oh, well, they're not. And, and I've had people tell me, well, how's the family doing? I said, well, what do you mean? Well, who was crying? Well, you mean the ones who are crying, the ones who are grieving, the ones who aren't crying, not. And it could, be, it could be they're shocked. It could be they're overwhelmed. That they don't, they don't want to let. They're, they're afraid if they let themselves go, they just lose it. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why people may not cry in a public situation. You know, and of course, they're, they're, you got the gender issue to deal with. You know, a lot of father, a lot of husbands will try to gut it up and hold on, or the mother may do just the same because she's she realizes that if she loses it, everybody else is going to lose it. So there's all kinds of situations, but you're exactly right. They have, as it were, they've gotten used to this situation, and they have been grieving for a continual long Alzheimer's, the long goodbye. That's what we call it, because literally every day you see less and less. Of them. So uh, very quickly, what's the next one? Question. Question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
There's your questions. Pick one. Three. Three. No one's being punished when they die. Um, obviously, in a situation, sometimes, you know, when a person that's drunk gets on the road and they run into something and kill themselves, you know, they're, not, they're, they're dealing with the consequence of their action. But yet the idea of being punished is not the situation. And I think we said if we, did, if we go that perspective, then we're going to, then, then you go back to God and what God does. See, God punishes us. Well, see, we, we, you know, biblically speaking, God, God will punish those at the end of time, not at death. But yet that, but you're, and you're right. But from a kid's perspective, you got to be really careful about that one, because they, if they, if they, they will hear that, and oh no, God's going to punish me, and I'm going to die too because I did something wrong last night. You know, kind of thing. So you have to be really careful about that one. Another number. If they see you bury an animal, we talk about why do we bury the animal? <coughs> They're not Their heart is not pumping, so therefore we put them in, you know, well, the same is true in regard to a cat. Of course, now a lot of folks are going to cremation. So, you, you know, you, you deal with what is cremation. And the easiest way to, if you can get, if you can get a child, and this might be a good devotional sometime, is go back to Genesis chapter one. God took dust, dirt of the ground, and just take dirt and said, "See this? This is what God made. This is how He made man. How did He do that? Well, He's God. He can do that. When people die, what's well, a lot of five minutes. Minutes. Okay." When people die, eventually, that's what happens to their body. It just decomposes and becomes this again. So what, what they chose to do is to do that and do it in a faster way. You know, because I, I, a lot of people, are, are y'all having cremation? A lot of people are being given. It's, it's growing tremendously. Yeah, exactly. Much cheaper, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And also le much less contact to have to do, do the keep and the coffin and all that kind of stuff. Um, where they go is a question. And it's, it's, it's easy for us to say the Hadean realm, but they don't understand what the Hadean realm is. You know, Luke chapter 16, among other places. So we, what I'd like to talk to them about is that God takes them to a special place where eventually when everyone gets there, we'll stand before God and talk to him about our life. And just keep it real simple. Now, if they say, "Well, but they, but, but they were a bad person," you know, they, well, there's a place for them. And there's a place for good people. But, but you have to really be careful, and, and it, that, because they will quickly get some misideas or misinterpret what you're saying. So, so I would ask after I said that, I said, now, t just tell me what I just said. Did, does that make sense? Tell me again. And you can even, you know, if you have a, you can draw it, you know. And we and we got to be careful that we say the head down rooms up here and the bad places down there because where are you burying the person? <laughs> down there. So you see the see the connection. So you got to be really careful about that. Got to be really careful about that. Another one. Uh, number twelve. Twelve. 
if they're old enough to understand what a resurrection is, I would talk about Jesus raised, being raised from the dead and say, guess what? The same is what happened to every one of us. We will get to see Grandma again today. Or one day. We'll get to see my best friend that got that killed, that died from cancer. We'll get to see them again. Isn't that great? And just, just keep it that simple. Now, they'll probably have more questions from that. But as long as you're going down that mainstream and keeping it very simple terms, you know, you know, I don't want to get into, again, based on age. I, I don't want to get into um, dealing with all the ramifications of, of where they're going to go and what's going to happen. Because right then and there, it's just, you know, it's just real simple terminology they want to use. Any, any other questions? Let me look at one more and we'll get. Look at number 17. I don't feel like crying. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, if the children want to have them the right notes, put them in the coffin. Or have uh, a lot of times in, in when I do funeral services, I try to involve all the kids if I can to let them have something to say because that's their funeral service too. If they're old enough to understand the concept. Well, the notes are like a way for them to say goodbye, their farewells. Yeah, exactly. So. exactly. Well, there's much more there that you turn to the page and you see some other things that are there for you. That's why I always get plenty of plenty of stuff on that one. So that's one. These are one of those that can become very. You have know, time frame. This is in regards to if you were going to, you know. Tell me how you're feeling today. Well, here's that. You know, then, or you could show me this page. Which one, you know, that, that, that's something that they can really be helpful. And you, you